Good morning, everybody. Move that out of the way. Okay, let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, open our ears to hear it. Make our hearts receptive to your word. Give us minds to understand it and apply it. Give us the courage to live it out each day of our lives so we can be the people that you long for us to be. Amen. Now, in Scripture, um, often Jesus, when he wants to make a point, will say, listen, before he actually says something. He'll say, listen, which means it's important to us. And in this particular scripture that I'm going to read in a moment, Matthew 22:33 to 40, he doesn't say listen. But as we've heard already, this is a story that is actually in three books of the Bible and Jesus is making the same point. So he doesn't say listen, but it's in there three times. It's really, really important. And as John said already this morning, the whole of scripture and the whole of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you want to um, follow this in your church Bibles, it's on page 937, and I'm taking it from uh, Matthew 22, 33 to 40. Page 937. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, not some, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And last night, uh, myself and there was a number of other people here uh, from Lynn Baptist Church and other places, we went to Oasis for a dinner. And um, Oasis was started some time ago by a lady called Victoria. And she had a vision, another lady with a vision. uh, And her vision was a building in Gorton, pumping out God's unconditional love into the area of Gorton. And also, we had the privilege of seeing three people and hearing from three people that had actually been uh, in contact with Oasis and had received, in effect, their love. And one of the things that was actually said was just being there where the people are and loving them leads to trust. And trust leads to a response from the people. And response leads to lives being transformed And through the love of the people in Oasis, we tangibly heard and saw that last night. It's absolutely an amazing thing that those guys are actually doing. Uh, And absolutely, in my mind at least, Oasis are absolutely trying uh, to be the heart. They're trying to be the soul. They're trying to be the mind of uh, of God and loving their neighbours there in Gorton. And if you want to know anything more about that, Mike uh, and Linda, Andy and Angela, Lester or Nikki, Mike and Vicky... And there are others as well. They'd love to tell you more about it. Okay, so as a leadership um, and as a church, we've actually been thinking about our vision and we've been thinking about our strategy for some time, haven't we? And at the Leaders Away Day last year, as a leadership, amongst other things, we believed the Lord to be telling us to uh, focus on out, not in, taking the church here out into the actual community 
and to focus on that amongst other things. So community engagement, we call that. So we're delighted as a, as a small group today to be talking about that under Love Your Neighbour and just talking about those strategies as a leadership and as a church that we're looking to explore. As you heard from John a few weeks ago, uh, we're focusing in on community engagement, we're focusing in on prayer, and we're focusing in on discipleship. So if you have a passion for any of those three things, if God has gifted you in any way that can help and support uh, the expansion of those things in our church, please speak to John after the service. He'd welcome the opportunity to talk to you about that. Thank you. So as you've heard, um, sometimes the church can complicate things, but it's simple. Love God, love neighbor. And when you hear that, love neighbor, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Or who do you think of? What I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to give us the opportunity to just open our minds and think about somebody who we could love as a neighbor. And as you've heard from Jane, and as you've heard from Sheila, our neighbors are everybody. It's the people we live next door to, of course it is, but it's the people we work with. It's the people that we come to church with. It's the people maybe that are our enemies and we don't like. They are all neighbors. And through this uh, short prayer that I'm going to pray in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity and the Holy Spirit the opportunity to help you to come up with a name. So let's just pray, bow our heads. Holy Spirit, please help us with a name of a neighbor, someone that we can love as ourselves, someone that we may have been thinking about already for some time, somebody that we might be praying about and have been for some time, maybe even somebody that we don't like. So Holy Spirit, just come and help us, prompt us right now with a name. Amen. When you came in, hopefully, uh, you were given a um, slip of paper and an envelope and a pen. Um, Well, could you now, if you haven't got either or any of those, please put your hand up and the stewards will come and pass one around. If you have, could you please just put the name of the person on the piece of paper, put it into the envelope, seal the envelope and put your name on the envelope. Put your name on the envelope. And when you're done, if you wouldn't mind, could you guys over here pass them down to the middle? And you guys there, pass them down to the middle. And you guys there, just pass them over to the end and the stewards will come and collect them from you. Thank you. Remember to put your name on the front of the envelope as well, by the way. Great. So what the plan is, is in perhaps four or five weeks' time, I'm going to actually give you back your envelope, and you can open it, and you can look inside at the name you actually put on there today. And nothing. I'm not going to ask you anything or say anything, but it's just an opportunity for you to see how you've actually got on. And maybe if you forgot to actually do it when you walk out of the church today, it's another prompt for you to actually do it. Okay. Just while that's going on, Will, could you put the slide on? Thanks. Okay, competition time. No sweets, unfortunately, like John. Anyone got any ideas who that is? Whitney Houston. Absolutely. Well done. Whitney Houston. And believe it or not, I can't. This makes me feel really, really old. Uh, She had a hit, uh, and it was called The Greatest Love of All. And it was a number one next month, 29 years ago. Unbelievable. 
Now, the good news is, I'm not going to sing this. So I'm sorry to disappoint everybody. And it's too early to clear the church, believe me, if you hear my voice. Um, but what I am going to do, and if you wouldn't mind following the words as I actually speak them, not sing them, um, that would be really, really helpful. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone to fulfill my needs. A lonely place to be, so I learned to depend on me. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Now, I think you'll probably agree with me that there's some really good things in there, in that song. Children are our future. They must be taught well, and they need someone to look up to. But if you're like me, there might be things in there that you're not too comfortable with. First of all, there's an absence of God. It's very humanistic. And second, the greatest love of all is not self-love. The greatest love of all is not self-love. But nevertheless... The reason I wanted to begin today with that song is because I wanted to emphasize that self-love is important and it is necessary. And I know that statement might surprise some of you. Uh, You've probably never heard a a sermon uh, on the long-lost commandment of loving yourself, but you're actually going to hear something about it today because that's what I'm going to be talking about. Many instances in the Bible, learned men try to test or trip Jesus up by asking them questions. And this scribe wanted to test Jesus. He wanted to understand from Jesus what he thought the greatest commandment was. And that's probably a reasonable question to ask um, because the Jewish scholars, the Pharisees and the Sadducees back then, they had actually catalogued 613 laws, some big, some small. And they'd actually put their own spin on some of them as well. And just to put that into perspective, if you think about 613 Uh, laws or commandments, and there was one on each A4 piece of paper, that's how many laws you'd have to remember and be able to live out each day of your life. But what Jesus did was he consolidated it down, thank you, he simplified it for us to two, as we've heard already this morning. And it must have been incredibly confusing and incredibly difficult uh, back then, at trying to remember these 613 laws, um, and it's incredibly confusing. And that's probably why these scholars were sad, you see. Sad, you sees. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the scribe here wanted to know which was the greatest commandment, the most important one. And as we've heard, summarized, love God, love neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. So Jesus is telling us, to love God and love our neighbours as we love ourselves. Love our neighbours as we love ourselves. 
and by the very way in which he shapes these concepts of love, Jesus is making it really, really clear, in my mind at least, that loving ourselves is the foundation upon which these higher loves are actually built. In other words, those who love themselves are often those who are most likely to love others and to love God, most often. All, and all uh, those people who maybe loathe themselves or dislike themselves may be, may be likely to hurt others and blame God. And studies of criminal behavior, in fact, absolutely back this up. They arrive at similar conclusions. What kind of people become criminals of the worst kind? Violent murderers and rapists. They're very often people who have been treated so badly by life that they have, at some deep level, they've learned they're not worthy of love. They may have been abused when they were younger. They may have been victims of racism or crime themselves, or just grinding poverty. They may have been abandoned by their family, and they've got nothing or nobody. And so, despising themselves at some profound level of their soul, they lash out in hatred. They kill, they abuse, they destroy, they tear down relationships. And this pattern is most plain to see at the extreme boundaries of crime. But unfortunately, in some degree, it can be seen in every community. And all of us have probably encountered all of excuse me. All of us have probably encountered people who live life with a hostile or maybe a mean spirit. And they will often have a poor self esteem, self image, and little love for themselves. But at the opposite extreme, we've probably also met people that seem to genuinely love other people and they uh, feel that they are loved and they are lovable so they can love other people really effectively. And I think it's very difficult to genuinely love God and genuinely love others without genuinely loving yourself. Remember, love your neighbor as yourself. And most of us have been taught the evils of selfishness and we've saw a bit of that through John's uh, talk this morning since our earliest days, and rightly so. Rightly so. This is, uh, I pulled up a couple of pictures together, and this is one of my favorite ones, uh, a quote from Mother Teresa that points towards selfishness. And as you can read there, she says, one of the greatest diseases is to be nobody to anybody. And as I said, I pulled together a few statements like this, some of my favorites. This was Jane's favorite which I think equally says it it and gets it across. Selfishness is wrong. Selfishness is wrong. But we live in a profoundly selfish society today. We live in a time when grasping and hoarding have become, well, virtues, unfortunately. But we must understand that selfishness and self-love are extreme opposites. Selfishness and self-love are extreme opposites. And it's precisely when we doubt our own value and we doubt our own worth that we need to accumulate stuff to make us feel okay. It's when we can't accept our own worth that we try to find or we find ourselves driven to measure our worth in some other way. The number of things that we have, 
the number of cars we have on the drive, the latest smartphones, the latest gadgets, the latest fashions, branded fashions. And it's when we begin to doubt our own preciousness that we feel the need to boast about our accomplishments. And in so doing, we're crying out, those people are crying out, please notice me, for I'm afraid that I'm not worthy, I have no worth, I'm not worth much. And just for a minute, just close your eyes and just pretend that you're a beautiful cup and you're in a sink and there's a tap running and the tap's flowing into you. But what it's pouring into you isn't water. What it's pouring into you is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. What it's pouring into you is hatred, unhappiness, anger, evil, apathy, and lack of self-control. Now open your eyes. And it's when you're filled or you have those feelings inside of you, it's difficult to love other people because what's going to pour out of you? What is going to pour out of you? Love yourself, then you can more effectively love God and love your neighbor. But Jesus, we ask, how can we love ourselves? And how can we love ourselves? And unfortunately, Jesus doesn't answer that question here in Matthew because that's not what the scribe asked. But don't worry, Jesus makes it very clear how you can learn to love ourselves and how we can love ourselves. He starts in Genesis and he goes through every single book of the Bible ending in Revelation. And these are another a few uh, quotes that I, uh, I find interesting. The top one, Barbara Denning, for those that don't know, she's a, a women's rights activist from the 50s and the 60s. And what she actually says here is the injunction that we should love our neighbours as ourselves means to us equally that we should love ourselves as we love our neighbours. And another quote there from Abraham Lincoln, who died 200 years ago this year, says, it's difficult to make a man miserable while he feels worthy of himself and claims kindred, that's relationship, kindred, relationship to the great God who made him. So, how can we love ourselves? Well, first of all, we should love ourselves because we are made in God's image. Scripture tells us this, that we are made in God's image. And this is the Bible's first defining words about who we are. When God took the dirt and fashioned it and breathed life into it, he created us and he created us in his image. God never makes mistakes, does he? He never makes mistakes. And you and I are God's image on earth today. And loving yourself begins when you get to know the God who made you and you realise that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made in the image of God. And we've got supreme value and we've got supreme worth because we are made in God's image. Second, we should love ourselves because God loves us. And you probably thought I was going to say that, didn't you? Because the entire point or primary point in the Bible is that, that God loves us. God loves me and God loves you. And God also loved Israel and God chose Israel and God redeemed Israel. And then through Israel and through the law, he sent his only son to fulfill that law, to die that we might live. And there's no greater demonstration of God's love 
for us than he would go to such an extent to build that relationship and reconcile us back to him. God loves us with a perfect, unending, unconditional love. There is nothing, nothing that we can do. There is nothing that we can say that will make God love us any more or love us any less. That love is real. That love is for every single one of us. God loves you and he wants you, he wants you to love yourself because of his love for you. And third, we should love ourselves because God believes in us. God believes in us. God wants us to be successful in all that he has called us to complete. God wants us to be successful in all that he has, he has called us to complete. And he has so much confidence in us, so much confidence in us, that he's given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a counsellor, to live inside us, to help us. God has invested his all in us. His eternal blessings await us in a place that he calls heaven. He's confident that many of us will respond to his love and will walk in eternity with him. The real challenge now becomes in personalizing these truths. How do we personalize them? I know I should love myself, God. I know that. But how can I love myself? How can I love myself? Well, I think the starting point is we've got to tell ourselves the truth. We have got to be honest with ourselves. Very likely, others have said things to you or to us that are not true. But you've believed them and you've been living them out through your life. I don't know about you, I've not been to a school play or ground for, for a very long time, as you can probably tell when you look at me. Um, but I do remember very often kids back then calling names uh, to people and being really, really cutting. And there was a phrase, I think, whatever you call it, used to be said at the time, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is what people, the kids, used to say back at the, the kids taunting them. But w- with respect, I think that's so rubbish. Words are so, so powerful. They so, can be so sharp. They can cut you to the bone. They can cut your heart. And you can remember and you can feel that hurt for hours, days, weeks, years, and unfortunately, lifetimes. Lifetimes. Or perhaps you've decided some things about yourself that are not true, but they're controlling your life. Some things that you have decided are not true, but they're controlling your life. In Romans 12.2, it tells us we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds can be renewed as we reprogram our thinking with the truth of God. Our minds can be renewed as we reprogram our thinking with the truth of God. What kind of things can we be thinking of that's going to help us? Well, one important truth, I believe, is that we are valuable and we are lovable because of God. God gives us value. God gives us love. Therefore, we must tell ourselves repeatedly and regularly that we are precious and we are of value. God loves us. And as we reprogram ourselves with these thoughts, we need to ask God to help us to believe them and accept them as ourselves, for ourselves, every day. Second, 
the second truth that we need to work with is the truth that we are sinners, but we're forgiven sinners. We're sinners, but we are forgiven sinners. All of us are sinners, and unfortunately, we continue to sin. But the fact is no excuse to continue to sin. God calls us to resist temptation and eliminate evil from our lives in Matthew 6. But in the process of this, God wants us to live a state of forgiveness, not of guilt. He wants us to live in a state of forgiveness, not a state of guilt. And if you're a Christian, then you're forgiven. All your sins are erased. They've been removed. They've gone as far as the east is from the west. You're forgiven because God says so. Therefore, there is no point, no point in carrying guilt and shame around about sins any longer. There's no point in beating yourself up any longer. It's over because God in Christ has taken it away. That's the truth we need to be telling ourselves. And as we tell ourselves that truth, we can more easily receive God's love and we can more easily love others. So, we can begin to love ourselves by telling ourselves the truth. Third, we can love ourselves by treating ourselves with love. And I'm not talking about here pampering yourselves and going off to a a spa and having a nice massage and a pedicure. Although, be it, that that might be okay at some point. Jane certainly tells me it is. (laughs) No, what I'm actually talking about here is I'm talking about this being patient and kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Forgive yourself when God has forgiven you. If God has forgiven you, why can't you let it go? This forgiveness is through God's grace and mercy, but it needs to be accepted. It needs to be accepted. If you haven't already, are you willing to accept God's grace today? Are you willing to accept God's grace today? Also, treat yourself with respect and have proper boundaries. What do I mean by that? Take care of your physical needs. Get enough rest, get enough exercise, get enough nutrition. Weird thing to be hearing in church. For ex- let me give you an example. When Elijah, when Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament, was in a bad way in 1 Kings 19, what did God prescribe to him? He described, prescribed a couple of things. Sleep and good meal. The body and the spirit are interconnected. We've got to exercise our bodies. We've got to exercise our our spiritual side of us. And we need to lovingly minister to both of them. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So in conclusion... We've examined and tried to apply the command to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. And we must learn to love our neighbours, but we must learn to love ourselves first. We cannot effectively love God or love our neighbour if we first cannot love ourselves. If anyone's ever flown on an aeroplane, before the plane takes off, the air Uh, hostesses uh, and guys they actually go through a security safety check and they'll say something like if the uh, 
air pressure in the cabin reduces, oxygen masks will fall from the panel above you, pull it towards you, and put the mask on, on you. If you're travelling with someone that's infirm or an infant, put the mask on yourself first, then put the mask on the person uh, next to you. You have to put the mask on yourself first because you can take care of another person if you're not taking care of yourself effectively. And you can't love another person if you do not love yourself. Learning to love yourself isn't isn't the greatest love of all, but it is a very important love. All the love that we need in ourselves and for our neighbours is available to us right now, right now, right here. God is ready to love you so powerfully that your love for yourself and others will become natural and fulfilling. The world will see that you love God with all your heart, soul and mind through what you do through what you say, how you're loving your neighbours as you're loving yourself. And God showed us how much he loves us and how much he loves and values me and how much he loves and values you when he stretched out his arms at Calvary and was nailed to the cross. So, just to summarise, you've never lived this day before. You've never lived this day before. And you're never going to live this day again. So make the most of it. Make the most of this day. I want to leave you with a couple of questions. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what you've heard today? And what you've seen today? What are you going to do for yourself to love yourself more? How are you going to love your neighbours more? And how much more are you going to love God So just before I pray, I would like everybody just to close their eyes, but hold their hands out, cupped like this, and just rest them on your laps. So if you could close your eyes, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to think about loving yourself. But what I want you to think about more is what, if anything, is there in your life that might have happened to you in the past, something that someone said to you, something how you, something about what you feel about yourself, and that might be preventing you from loving yourself, and therefore loving others and loving God. Now, just think about what that is, and just in your mind, place it into your hands. Place the issue, the challenge, the problem, whatever it is, put it into your hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are Emmanuel, God with us. Your Holy Spirit lives in us and guides us. Father, please remove these things that are preventing us from loving ourselves effectively and loving others. Remove them as far away as the east is from the west. Lord, let us know and go out of this place today with the confidence that it's okay to love ourselves. Because we are made in your image. You love us. You believe in us. And you have forgiven us. Now please think about the person's name that you put on these envelopes here at the front earlier. Picture them in your mind's eye. Think of the name. Lord Jesus, give us the confidence and the courage to reach out to the people we've named in these envelopes. 
Help us to tangibly be hands and heart of Jesus to them. But Lord, also help us as a church to be the hands and heart of Christ and be agents of change, agents of mercy, justice, compassion and renewal. Give us the courage to go out of this church, Lord, out to our neighbours, out into the community, out into the streets of Lim, to the schools and to the shops. Give us the courage, Lord. Give us that courage. Let us be known as a church that loves God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And let us be known as a church in Lim that loves its neighbours. And we've prayed about loving ourselves. We've prayed about loving our neighbours. Now, most importantly, let's pray about loving God more. Lord, we love you. We love you. We try to love you with all of our heart, soul and mind. But Lord, we're weak. Lord, help us not to complicate things. We've heard it's simple. Love God. Love neighbour. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. You sent your son to die for us on the cross because you love us so much. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we'll become so full with the Spirit, so full with the fruits of the Spirit, that there will be no room for evil, no room for sin. So we can be the people that you long for us to be, pouring out that love out of ourselves, Lord, overflowing into us here in the church and out into the streets of Lim and into our neighbours. So we are known, we are known for loving you and loving our neighbours in the community. Amen. And there's, just in, to close, just before we sing our last song, there's probably groups of people here today, and some of you will be thinking, ah, that's all right, I do all that, I feel okay about myself, I'm okay. And that's brilliant. You know, praise the Lord that you, you, the Lord's enabled you to, to, to be like that. It's fantastic. But there might be other people here today that have had an issue or they've felt uh, how they've felt about themselves or something that's been said about them. Um, has been uh, drawing them back. So they've asked God to remove that from them today, out of their hands. And they may feel, and rightly so, that they want to recommit their lives to Jesus. There might be people here today that have never asked Jesus into their lives, and now they want to ask the Lord into their lives. So wherever you are on your journey, you're going to have the opportunity right now to respond to God. If you want to recommit your lives to Jesus, or you want to commit your life to Jesus for the first time, I'm going to say a short prayer now, and this is all you have to do. Just close your eyes, and as I say this prayer, slowly, at the end of each sentence, I'm just going to give a stop, pause, just for a few seconds, to give you the opportunity to repeat it in the quietness and the privacy of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for me and for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life, life in all its fullness. I ask you to forgive me. I turn away from my sins and I receive you 
as Lord and Saviour. Come into my life. Change me and show me how to know you more. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you did pray that prayer for the first time or you've recommitted your lives, fantastic. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. That's brilliant. And now it's really, really important that you go and off and you tell somebody about it. A Christian friend, a Christian family member, or even the leadership or myself after the service. But even better, even better, our prayer team are going to be at the back of the church when we sing the final song, just in a couple of seconds. And they would love the opportunity to just to listen to you. They would love the opportunity to pray for you and pray with you. When we stand in a moment to um, pray, uh, to sing the last song, why don't you just, as you stand, make your way to the back of the service and they will listen to you and they will pray for you. Thank you.